we were in worship planning team uh, about a month ago, two months ago probably, and uh, we were planning the next series and talking through a few different ideas about what the next series would be. And uh, someone on the team said, I think, I actually had an idea, I pitched an idea, and I forget what the idea was about the series that I wanted to do. And one of the people in the room kind of rolled their eyes, and they were like, yeah, that'd be okay. (laughs) And I was like, you have a better idea? (laughs) And the person said, yeah. And I said, okay. said, why don't you talk to us about hearing God? Because I think we need to know more about how to hear from the Lord. I was like, okay, done, good idea. So this was not uh, my idea. This idea belongs to Corey Ermold. Um, and uh, I think it was really, it, it came from the Lord. As soon as we started uh, leaning into it and looking at it, uh, it, it appeared to be something that was really appropriate for where we are. Um, in two weeks, I'm going to be at, uh, I'm not going to be here because I'm going to be speaking at um, renewal services, a five-day, uh, four-day renewal services at another church um, in Lancaster County. Um, and uh, I, I try to be um, present at Parker Ford as much as possible. One of the uh, confusing things, if you're a part of Parker Ford Church or have been for any length of time, Actually, it's even more confusing when you first get here, is understanding how it works with staff sometimes, because uh, one of the things that's confusing is we're not only um, pastors here, we also facilitate this network, um, you know, called Netzer, which really seeks to see unity and oneness in the body of Christ. We believe what Ephesians says, that there's only one body, that there aren't many, there's only one. And there's not very many people who work at helping the connections between the body. Um, And so that's one of the things that I've felt called to in my own life. And so when we came here six years ago, um, some of you were here and you remember that part of what we asked for was that as we come on staff, that a portion of our time be given to investing beyond this church, not just within this church. And so that has been kind of a staple for Josh. Josh has been someone who's given himself to prayer in Pottstown a fair amount. And I, I myself have worked really hard um, with Netzer, investing into other pastors. Just this week, we had a pastor. Um, uh, his daughter was found to have a, she, He's a pastor in Wilmington. He's another. Uh, he's a pastor who we're connected to through our denomination, Church of the Brethren. And uh, he is in Wilmington, at Wilmington Church of the Brethren, young guy um, in his late 20s, and his daughter, they, they have one daughter, and she's a year old, and they found out that, and you might have prayed for her last week, I don't know, um, I, and uh, her their daughter's name is Alethea, um, they call her Lathy, and she's this cute little girl. Well, they, they couldn't figure out what was going on with her, because she was getting a little past the age where she should have been walking, and she was showing no signs of walking. And every time they tried to stand her up, she wouldn't stand up. You know how kids will bounce on your legs. She wouldn't do any of that. And um, so they did some more tests, and they found out that she had a birth defect that should have been caught in the first six weeks of her life, a pretty routine catch um, about uh, the hip socket not developing. Um, It turns out that they didn't catch it, and if you wait too long, then it's almost uh, impossible to repair, one of those bizarre things. And they said the chances of her walking in her life um, ever are very, very slim. And so um, 
they, they said, but there is a surgery that we can try. It's actually a dangerous surgery, um, a reconstructive surgery. So um, on uh, Tuesday night, um, they they had this surgery for her. And Josh uh, Hostetter cover, got uh, coverage um, for my wife. I think, Terry, did you cover for her in the nursery at Journey Kids? Thank you for that. And that was so that Jen and I could go down to Wilmington to be with them in the hospital. Um while their daughter, you know, goes in. And it was really interesting because um, Brandon said to me, he called me on the phone and he asked for an anointing service um, for his daughter. And um, when he asked for that anointing service, he said, I know, I don't know how I know, but I know that God wants my daughter to walk. And so I'm going to trust him for this. And uh, Brandon's got bold faith. He's a guy with bold faith. And uh, I like being around him just to have his faith rub on me a little bit. And uh he uh, and he said, "I know God wants to do this. He wants to heal." Well, they go into this surgery, and a, a real, real low percentage success rate in this surgery. Um, and it's supposed to take a few hours. They put her in surgery. They walked out. Um, he went with his dad to go get some food, and uh, he gets a phone call while he's waiting in line at the fast food joint for his food, and it's his wife, and she's hysterical, and she's crying, and he's like, "Oh no, you know what's going on." And he said, and she said, she's out of surgery. So what do you mean she's out of surgery? It's only been a few minutes, you know. She said, the, the surgery's over, and the doctor said it's the most successful surgery he's seen of this nature, and that she's going to be fine, you know. And so the next day, they, uh, they went and, um, and they, uh, they did an MRI. Well, no, that night, we went down, and they did the MRI, and went to look, and they said, oh, you could not imagine a better scenario. This girl's going to be fine. She's going to be in a body cast for the next six months, um, but she's going to be good, and she's going to be fine. And um, so we, um, we, while we were down there, Brandon asked if, um, if I could teach um, at his church, uh, fill the pulpit for him next week down there because they can't. He, he's like, I'm not going to be able to get to that. Um, and he sent me a text message um, just a, a day afterward. And he said, you know, um, it's a rare moment when, uh, well, no, what did, say, what did he say? He said, in a difficult moment, I needed a pastor. And p- typically people don't think about pastoring pastors. You know, he said, but thanks for being my pastor. And, you know, there is a special thing about the body of Christ working together. And it's a beautiful thing. And I just want to say um, thank you, Parker Ford Church, because one of the things that's afforded and and, uh, available here is the fact that when it comes to caring for other churches, when it comes to blessing other churches, that takes sacrifice for a local church to release their leaders to go and care for other churches. And you've consistently... Uh, been supportive of that and actually many times have been excited about that and gotten behind that and said, we, we want to bless that. And um, for me personally, that's a huge thing. It's not only a huge thing for the kingdom of God, but it's also something really special for me personally because that's something God's put on my heart. And you know how it is that if you're doing something that God's called you to do, then it's, it's a very uh, good thing for you as well. And so I just want to say thank you on behalf of Brandon and his wife and on behalf of the kingdom of God and on behalf of, of uh, myself, you know, my family. Just thank you for thinking outside the box a little bit, being willing to think outside the box of how church leadership works. 
and, and moving in that way. Uh, given that in the next two weeks, while I, I actually won't be around the next two weeks, we're going to do something different with the teaching. I'm actually going to uh, open, I designed this series and really invested a fair amount into it. Um, so Josh is going to help out with teaching, but at the beginning of the messages, I'm going to try to pre-record a little bit of teaching of my own because I have some things that I think are going to be helpful in that. So I'm going to put a little video up. Hopefully if I can get the technology to work between now and then, I'm going to put a, a video up that at the beginning of the messages, I'm going to give some background and some uh, really some stories that I think would be helpful. And then, um, and then Josh will kind of walk that out. So it'll be a little different over the next two weeks. And then uh, the last few weeks of the series, I'll be back, Lord willing, um, in, uh, in doing that. But I, I just uh, would ask for your prayers in that time as well for that family and for that church. We're excited about what God's doing there. Um, and uh, given what all God is developing here at Parker Ford Church and through this network, um, like Josh said, this Wednesday night we're having kind of a vision conversation that's just talking about how do we how do you move forward when there's a lot going on and how do you structure and how do you, uh, what's next? Uh, feel free to come out at 6.30 on Wednesday night and we'll just, I just want to share about what I see God doing in the church and have a time and discussion together. So um, with that said, uh, I knew that was going to take some time, but just needed to have a family moment with you there. So uh, let's pray and then we're going to go forward with the series. God, thanks so much for uh, moving, for being active for building your kingdom. And one of the things, uh, another one of those prayers, there's the, there's the 23rd Psalm, but then there's also the Lord's Prayer, and another one of those big things that we recite that frames for us uh, our relationship with you. And in the Lord's Prayer, we realize that uh, Jesus, when you put on display for us how to pray, you said, our Father, which meant we're all in this together, who art in heaven, Holy is your name. We praise you. You're the Lord. You're the king over it all. And then the next thing is your kingdom come here. Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's our desire, God, is that this voice that you guide us with will allow us as your people to agree with you and to establish your kingdom within us and among us uh, so that we can be those who resemble and who display uh, that we are vassals of the king and allow your kingdom to be built inside of us. So please, God, teach us to hear more effectively in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm going to uh, just, I, I, I want to kind of conversate uh, a little bit today. This is going to be a little less preaching and more just conversation, a little more teaching, a little more just personal testimony. And the reason is because sometimes when it comes to spiritual things like the voice of God, um, it can get very, very big and spiritualized. But if we want to be able to walk in the fullness of God's voice, it needs to be down to earth for us. We need to be able to hear God in our day-to-day -day life and move with him. And that's what this series is about. It, um, and so I just want to have conversation a little bit around that today. So this is going to be a little bit different than the, the uh, you know, how I, I I'm going to try to keep my feet rooted on the ground and try to keep at a tone that is uh, is down to earth instead of freaking out preaching today like I normally do. So um, anyway, uh, you know how uh, if, if, someone, if someone's talking about their faith, actually, yeah, if someone uh, started, what if today I were to start uh, talking about social justice and caring for the earth? You know, environmentalism, social justice, there'd be some people in the room who might start to feel a little bit uncomfortable with that. If I started talking about um, the sanctity of human life and the biblical definitions of marriage, um, there might be other people 
who would feel uneasy and uncomfortable. Is that because the Bible doesn't talk about caring for the poor or caring for justice? Is that because the Bible doesn't talk about uh, caring for the earth? One of the original commands. Is that because God doesn't talk about the sanctity of life even in an unborn child or an elderly person or whatever? Is that because God doesn't talk very specifically about the, the value of a covenantal relationship between opposite gendered people? No, all of those things are things the scriptures talk about. But the reason why some of us feel uncomfortable at times hearing some of those things is because of political reasons, right? So if we uh, subscribe to a certain political party, then it's very easy to emphasize certain parts of what the scriptures say and be scared of other things that the scriptures might hold, but that are championed by a different political party, which means that our politics can get in the way of us actually hearing the fullness of what the scripture says. If our values and our, and our identity are found inside of a political party instead of found inside the scripture. Um, and then we can lose certain things that are really important. It's actually really important to cultivate the earth. It was one of the first things that God told us to do. It's very, very important that right in, in the same time that he's talking about the biblical definition of marriage, he's also talking about cultivating the earth, you know, and, and environmentalism. In the same time where we're talking about caring for the poor and the orphan and the widow, we're obviously talking about the unborn child and uh, the life that's on the fringes. And so you can't, we can't separate all of those things. Um, it, it's all part of one thing. We're not here to talk about politics, but I, I'm here to make a point about when it comes to the voice of God. And let me go a little bit further. If someone's talking about their faith and they start talking in terms of uh, they're expressing their own personal walk with the Lord and they're talking about reciting the Our Father and they talk about taking the Eucharist and uh, they may uh, be thinking of sacraments and you might hear them use the word meditation in relation to prayer. Where, where's your mind going to go? What, what do you think their faith orientation is? Catholicism. So there's Catholic. If you were raised non-Catholic, then that might set off a little bit of a flare, right? And it says, I don't know if I'm comfortable. Why? Because there's been abuse of, of certain doctrine and theology, which uh, if, if those who have concern about a false doctrine in Roman Catholicism, what is the, the, the doctrine to be concerned about? Okay, Mary, Mary. And, and uh, even a more general thing. I would say that the most general thing that people, uh, the kind of stereotype is, is this work salvation. That, that if you perform certain sacraments, then God will provide grace. But sacraments are actually a means of, of living inside of the grace. So we take communion, and if we take communion, God put this sacrament or ordinance in place there is a question, is it by taking this bread that God approves of me or is it that there's grace that exists and I can enter into that grace by practicing the ordinance? There's different ways of, of uh, looking at that and some can look at something and understand it appropriately and others can look at it and understand it inappropriately. What's dangerous is, is if I categorize a whole religious Grew a people, a people and a movement, categorize the whole thing and say that anything that has to do with that is completely and totally suspect and I shouldn't listen to it. In the same way, if you were raised Catholic, um, when I, 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 had to, I had to talk to my mother about this. You know, my mother 
um, and my whole mom's side of the family is Catholic, and uh, my mother was uh, raised Catholic, and uh, I was baptized Catholic as a child. And when you're in that environment, it's funny how it looks coming the other way about people who um, are so in the church scene that they seem irrelevant in the world scene, you know? Um, so why is it that you go to church on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and you have Bible study and you do this, like, what about the family? What about everyone else, you know? And there's that. Or what about, what's with the raising of the hands and what's with the saying amen and what's with, like, all these... And, and oftentimes to a Catholic, uh, those who are uh, uh, practicing Christianity in a different way, they're going to say, that looks like a cult to me um, because it's like all in and all weird and everything. And there's this sense of can't hear that because it's a cult and it's outside of the, the norm. All of that is to make the same point about the political thing, which is, which is this, that again, there are some very valuable things that are found in movements that are different than us, sometimes there is the danger of heresy and there is the danger of not, of doing things that are completely unbiblical. But there's also potentially things that are biblical inside of another movement and there's the possibility that I might throw the baby out with the bathwater because I'm stereotyping and categorically dismissing. Why do I say all that? Because of this. When someone starts talking about miracles, and when someone starts talking about healing, and when someone starts talking about spiritual gifts and the movement of God, maybe even when someone just starts talking too much about the Holy Spirit, some people get very uneasy. Why? Well, because there have been movements throughout history who have taken spiritual things and have gone a little crazy with them. As a matter of fact, in the early church, there was this heresy, there was this cult, there was this false doctrine, and it was called Gnosticism. And what Gnosticism did is it elevated the spiritual over the physical. And it said that everything that was spiritual was good and everything that was physical was bad. And that's actually not what the Bible teaches. And that Paul railed against that. A lot, you know, and that has happened in modern day where people pursue the spiritual gifts, not the giver of the gifts. And sometimes we get more excited about spiritual experiences than actually the God who's behind those experiences. But because of that, what can happen is, is we can get very uneasy when it comes to talking about things that are spiritual. When it comes to the miraculous, when it comes to the supernatural, when it comes to, to God moving profoundly in spiritual gifts, and we can, we can begin to build doctrines that separate us from those things that feel unsafe and awkward and weird to us, when in fact, there's nothing in the scriptures that tells us that God stopped being supernatural, or that God stopped communicating with his people, or that God stopped moving profoundly spiritually. And so... One of the things that can happen is, uh, have you ever heard someone say, and maybe you've said it yourself, or maybe someone close to you has, God told me dot, dot, dot. You heard that? Maybe you've said that? When someone says that, there's a moment, right? God told me, wait a minute. That's a lot of authority that's being subscribed to the thing that you're about to tell me, <laughs> okay? So it better not be something that you're telling me God told you, that I should do. <laughs> we had, I remember at, uh, at Bible college, there were guys who um, would say to a girl, 
God told me we should get married. <laughs> of course, she'd be like, yeah, well, he's going to have to tell me. <laughs> you know, and there's, there's a moment where if someone drops the God card in something it is that is being said, there's a danger, right? Because that can be seriously abused. However, the problem is, is that if we see abuse of the supernatural, and particularly if we see abuse of the voice of God, we have a tendency to withdraw ourselves from belief in the fact that God can actually communicate that way and that God can authoritatively speak to his people and speak to me. So here's what I want to say. When it comes to the Eucharist and when it comes to meditating on the Lord and when it comes to the Our Father, And when it comes to being engaged in the community and raising your hands and saying amen. And when it comes to the voice of God and when it comes to spiritual gifts and when it comes to miracles and when it comes to healing, I believe in all of it. Not one portion or the other portion. I don't believe in just taking care of creation or just believing in the sanctity of marriage. I believe in both because politics don't define my faith. And any historical movement in the church doesn't define my faith. A denomination doesn't define my faith. What defines my faith is God. And God reveals himself in the scriptures. And when I read the Bible, and the Bible shows me all these things as reality, I can stand in that authority and say, this is true, not because it's associated with this group or because I'm a part of that group. I don't have to fear it because it's a part of this group. All I have to fear is God. That's all I really have to fear. And all I have to believe is what God says. And sometimes I'm more afraid of a political party or another denomination than I'm afraid of the sin within me. And the sin within me is that which separates me from God. But my faith in God and my trust in him is that which reunites me by his blood. And so we believe in all those things. So let's go on record as saying this. I'm going to go on record as saying this, that no matter how much the voice of God has been an abused thing by political leaders, by uh, movements within the church, by individuals who have hurt us under the name of Christ, whatever it is, no matter how much that's been abused, God can, God does, God will communicate with his people. God speaks to us and he will be heard. And God wants to be heard by his people. God's talking and he wants us to hear him. No matter what, that's what the Bible says. And we're going to read about it. We're going to read about it. You know how a mom, when, uh, when there's, there's this moment where, or, or there's this thing about like when a, a mom and a child, they know each other's voice so well, you know, they know each other's voice so well. I, I remember um, uh, the, the Bainbridges, uh, you know, Jovi Bainbridge, who we've prayed for a, a whole lot. She had the hearing issue. She couldn't hear. And they kind of like, there's this whole thing where they have to like almost make her not hear for a period of time. And then they turn the hearing back on. And um, what they were having an event, an event for that. And uh, they sent out this link that I got of a video of little kids who had the same issue as Jovi. And uh, maybe you've seen them on, there's like videos posted in Facebook and and different places online too that do the same thing where there's a a child who's never heard and, um, you know, like nine months old or something. And then they turn on the the nerve, whatever the hearing is that that makes the nerves work. And the, the child hears their mother for the first time. 
you know, holding in the arm. And here's the mom. And there's these amazing videos of these kids and what happens on their face. And how, like, you, you just watch all of a sudden, they're, they're, they, like, you watch them go like this. And you can see they come alert and come awake because they're like, what is that? You know, what is it that I'm hearing? And then they hear mom's voice. And I remember the one video was so awesome because the kid just started smiling and then giggling and laughing and was so excited because they were hearing mom's voice. And it's so funny because you could almost tell that this child knew it was mom's voice even though it had never heard mom before because the ears didn't work because there's something deep within us that knows how to hear those who we love if we will listen appropriately. And that's what Jesus says. You know, when it comes to our faith, it's a really important thing that we are not just practicing religion, but we're walking in relationship with God. And one of the most important elements to making sure that we're staying in a place of relationship with God, not just practicing Christian religion, is this, that we're hearing the voice of our dad. That he is our dad and we hear his voice. That this isn't just some, you know, religious thing I'm practicing, but I'm actually engaged relationally hearing God. What does that look like? What does that mean? Well, that's what we're going to be, the whole series is about. Um, But uh, I want to start by um, just reading the words of Jesus regarding this whole thing. So we're in John chapter 10 today um, for the remainder of our time here. And uh, we're going to look at a few verses and uh, normally, I, you know, I have you stand in honor of God's word, but I'm going to be picking this apart a little bit as we walk through it. So um, you can remain seated. You can st- honor God's word standing in your heart. Uh, but we're just going to um, walk through the passage here. So uh, John 10, verse 22. At that time, the Feast of Dedication took place at Jerusalem. You know what the Feast of Dedication was? Anybody know what that is? It's called... It's called no, good try. That's good effort. So it's also called, now it's called the Festival of Lights. Hanukkah. Okay, yeah, this is Hanukkah. Okay, and the dedication is the dedication of the temple. It's the, the consecration. And this is actually, out of all the feasts that were celebrated in those days and that the scriptures talk about, it's one that was not in Leviticus laid out by God. Okay, so this is, Hanukkah is not one that God told them to put in place necessarily, which doesn't make it wrong. Uh, God didn't tell us to celebrate Easter. You know, he didn't, he didn't tell us to celebrate Good Friday, but we do that because it's worth celebrating. The, what happened at Hanukkah, how that came about, was that there was this guy, Maccabees, Judas Maccabees, who led a revolution, and, uh, and he, in that revolution, they conquered the Syrians and reestablished the temple, took the temple back over because the temple had been desecrated. So they did an eight-day ceremony where they reconsecrated the temple and made it sacred again. And ever since then, that was Hanukkah. So here it is, Hanukkah, okay? We didn't get far before I stopped. That's why I didn't have you stand. At the time of the feast, uh, at that time, the feast of dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. This is where a lot of the discussion would take place in the colon, colonnade of Solomon. This is probably where Jesus had been when he was a little boy and left his parents in a lurch when they walked back to go home, and he was sitting there, you know, talk, discussing. So Jesus has been in this place many times before. Verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, listen to this, this is important. How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. How long will you keep us in suspense? People are wondering, A, is he the Messiah? And then there's other people who are wondering, 
is he going to claim that he's the Messiah? Because there's some who already had their mind made up that he wasn't, and they just want him to say it. And then there's other who are really asking, but looking for him to respond. Now, of course, this whole thing of Judas Maccabees is really interesting because the, the Maccabean mindset at that time of uh, Messiah, obviously we know what people were looking for in a Messiah. They were looking for a political leader. Um, which, uh, again, is going to limit their imagination as far as what they can see in a Messiah. Um, and here they are celebrating, uh, like uh, in Hanukkah, like this is the day that Maccabees took it over through revolution, and they're already kind of in that sort of messianic framework of looking for a political and military leader. And they're asking, uh, Jesus, are you the Messiah? Stop beating around the bush. Are you going to tell us plainly? Jesus answered them. This is awesome. Jesus answered them. I told you, and you did not believe. His answer is, what are you waiting for? I already said it. You just didn't believe it. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. What kind of works is he talking about? Miracles. He's like, I'm doing what God is. The nature of God is being revealed through my works, through what I do. I've been saying all over the place who I am and what I am. The real question is, will you believe? Not will I say it, but will you believe? But you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. And this is the, this is the crux. Verse 27, my sheep, say it together. My sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. There's a few characteristics that Jesus gives of his sheep here. It says, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and they will perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hands. There's six descriptors that he gives. One is that those who are followers of him, those who are his sheep, can hear him. Two, he knows them. We're in fellowship with him. Three, they follow me. That means we're obedient to him. Four, I give them eternal life. That means that there's a vitality about them and they're alive. Five, they will never perish. That means that they have security. And number six, no one will snatch them out of my hand. That means that they have confidence and assurance. God's kids are sitting in this place where it's like, they hear from God and they have fellowship with God and there's this vitality and this life all about them and they are confident and they are walking in the assurance that God is with them. But then there's the antithesis of that. And uh, well, he says in verse 29, he says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And I and the father are one. I love how that's how he ends this thing. He says, I and the father are one. There's two reasons potentially why he says that. Um, one is because what he's saying is you can know God by knowing me. Like They're like, hey, why don't you just tell us if you're the Messiah? And this isn't just Jesus claiming deity, although it could be used as one of a reference in understanding the Trinity. But more than that, what Jesus is actually trying to say is God is communicating all over the place, and I am the word of God. I'm here in com his communication. If you are in line with God, you should be able to hear me. And if you can hear me, then you're hearing God. And what's more is you remember what our purpose is 
over here, um, this middle sign, it says we exist to reveal God's nature and to delight in his presence. Our job is to become a part. Remember what John 17's prayer is, the prayer in John 17, that they may be one Father, as I am in you and you are in me, so may they be in us that the world may know that you have sent me. And what's happening here is Jesus is saying this. He's saying, my sheep walk in fellowship with me. They hear my voice. They have security. They have life. They have vitality. I and the Father are one. In other words, if you're my sheep, then you're one with us too. Like you are part of the family and you can move in this relationship and you can hear and you can, but that's obviously not working. So how did the Jews respond? Verse 31, the Jews pick up stones again to stone him. So of course they didn't ask questions at this point. They picked up stones. Why did they pick up stones? To to stone, I'm sorry. Why did they try to stone him? Blasphemy. And what's the blaspheme? Yeah, okay, so he's claiming to be one with God. Now, of course, the the belief is, and the the scriptures are very clear, that hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, There is no other gods, and there's only one, so you can't claim to be God. There's only one God, and he already exists. So this is the moment of blaspheme, right? And And they're all bent out of shape. But the reason is, is because they can't actually hear what it is that Jesus is truly saying. And why can't they hear? Because they have predefined boxes that Jesus doesn't fit into. They're looking for a political king. In other words, Jesus is a Democrat and they're Republicans. Or they're Republicans and Jesus is a Democrat. Or Jesus is a Pentecostal and they're a fundamentalist. Or Jesus is a Catholic and they're a Protestant. There's something about who Jesus is that isn't fitting into their box. And so they automatically put a frame around Jesus and are saying, that guy therefore must be saying this and it's blaspheme instead of pursuing further with a listening ear and being open to what it is that Jesus is saying. They judge. They judge. Okay. Let's keep going. I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which one of them are you going to stone me? In other words, they're saying, we're going to stone you because you're saying you're with God. And he's like, um... I've put God on display all over the place. Which one of the God things are you going to stone me for? To which they respond, the Jews answer, it is not for a good work that we are going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being a man, made yourself God. Here's the thing. Being a man, down here. God, up here. What they have the hardest time recognizing is not just that a man is claiming to be God. They have a hard time seeing God in the daily life. Honestly, this is their problem, is that they're like, God's way up there, and we, his vassals, serve down here. The fact that someone can take something so common and ascribe it to God, like a human, and say, this is God's voice, and this is, you know, they can't handle it. How often right now is it that God can move and will move, but we have a hard time receiving something so simple and so common as the voice of God? This is what's difficult. I'm going to tell you something right now, and then I'll come back in just a couple of minutes and explain it to you. This week, I got a text message from God. I did. I got a text message from God this week. 
Yeah, I'll tell you in a little bit. Okay. I know, right? Jesus answered, it's, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are gods. If he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and scripture cannot be broken, do you say of him whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? Now that's referring to a psalm where it says, you are gods. And basically what Jesus is saying here is he's saying all your understandings of how God manifests himself are limited and you're not understanding the breadth of the scripture. And if you would open your eyes and open your hearts, you would hear and understand more. Verse 37, he says, if I'm not doing the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe in me, believe in the works that you may know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. Again, they sought to arrest him, but he escaped their hands. He went away again across the Jordan to the place where John had been baptizing at first, and there he remained. And many came to him and they said, John did no sign, but everything that John said about this man was true. Verse 42, let's say it together. And many believed in him there. And many believed in him there. So here's the deal. Is that God was revealing himself to them through the person of Jesus. I mean, Jesus is God in very nature. But in this moment, the whole point that Jesus is trying to make is not his deity. That's not his primary thing to show the deity of God. The whole, the whole point is, is that he wants them to have relationship with God. He is God, but he's also fully human, and he wants them to have a relationship with the Father. But they can't actually receive him for who he is because of their predefined boxes. When they approach him and say, are you the Messiah? This is the way Jesus responds. Jesus says, there is no possible way that I can communicate to you, and you will hear me in the way that I mean it. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in a place where you try to communicate to someone something, but you know where their heart is? And they won't hear what you're, they won't hear what's actually there. They're only going to hear what they want to hear. There is moments where, man, I love a person so much. I really care and I really want them to be free and I want them to not have to carry this burden. And I try to explain to them where I'm coming from, but they are already predisposed to hear something else. And you're just like, there's nothing I can say. Nothing I can say. That's a painful spot. That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. He says, your whole idea of what a Messiah is, the very question of are you going to tell us that you're the Messiah or not, presupposes that you actually understand what a Messiah is, and you don't. Because you don't know the voice of God, because your heart is hard toward God, and you're not interested in God being God. You're interested in God sending a hero to give you what you want, instead of a God telling you what you need and submitting to that God. When it comes to the voice of God, there is uh, our slide up here. um, I don't know if you've ever seen the TV show, The Voice, the reality show. Um, I've heard it's kind of cool. I've I've never actually seen it. I've seen clips of it. Um, And uh, I guess the basic premise is that, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, basic premise being that there's judges who are facing away from the, the musicians. The musicians perform, but they can't see them. 
And then whoever, like, they kind of pick based on the voice itself, not based on the performance or on the look or anything like that. And it's to isolate the voice, you know. And uh, obviously there's some some uh, funny analogies there when it comes to the voice of God is that, you know, walking by faith means that we, we live by faith, not by sight, and that this physical world and all that we see with these eyes has a tendency to not allow us to hear the spiritual and to see the spiritual. And so the voice, we, we very much are like those judges who can't see and can't hear. But the question is, can we tune that out enough and tune in enough to actually hear the voice of God? And this is what Jesus is saying, is that you're the religious leaders. You're the ones who are proclaiming all the truths of Scripture, and yet you can't hear God because your hearts aren't in tune, because you don't listen through just reading and reciting theology. You listen in your heart. And this is what Jesus is saying the problem is, is that they wouldn't receive something um, so common as God because their hearts couldn't uh, hear him. Now, are there dangers when it comes to listening to the voice of God and hearing the voice of God? Is there dangers when someone says, God told me this? Yeah. The Bible spends a great deal of time, even in the New Testament, warning against what? False prophets. If there's false prophets... What does that also mean? There's probably true prophets too. As a matter of fact, the New Testament talks about them. And you remember there's, there's that one guy who has three daughters who are prophets? Can you imagine living in that house? I wonder what that was like, you know? I had one sister. That was like, and I, as far as I know, she wasn't a prophet. <laughs> three sisters are all prophets or three daughters are all prophets. Um, that would have been bizarre. He warns against false prophets because he's assuming that we're actually looking for the voice of God. Paul talks all about it in Corinthians when he's talking about if someone brings to the service a word of prophecy, only allow a certain amount of words of prophecy to be spoken. and It has to be done in an orderly fashion. The assumption is that God speaks prophetically to his people, that that happens. That's just normal in every week gathering in the church is that God's speaking through his people to one another. He says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. He puts tongues on the lowest level of the gifts to seek. And he puts prophecy at the highest level because prophecy edifies the body because it speaks from God to the people about what they need to hear. I mean, this is all just Bible. It's all just Bible. That's all it is. It's just Bible. And then he says, but if someone's speaking, then you have to have a filter. And the filter is there has to be confirmation of the things they're saying. They have to line up with the scripture. There has to be agreement among a certain amount of people in order for this to work. That's true prophecy. They have to submit to Christ as Lord. If they ever deny Christ as Lord, it doesn't work. There's all these filters that are put in place. The assumption is that God actually speaks prophetically to his people. But then you have to be very careful about the false prophets. Okay, and it's very easy. It's a lot easier if we just say God doesn't speak that way. (laughs) You know, then we don't have to worry about it. You know, we can just categorically dismiss it. But what if God does speak that way? Um, So I will again go on. I will again go on record and say that I do believe that God speaks this way. And I don't believe that those gifts are gone. I believe that God moves and God is alive. And I believe that he speaks not just through kind of bizarre moments. I believe that God speaks all over the place. He says he speaks through nature. He speaks through the word of God. He speaks through authority figures into our life. He speaks when I'm sitting there reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit's illuminating. But he also speaks 
in some other ways. This week I was, it was uh, Wednesday night, and um, Jen and I had been talking about um, Netzer and about how God is, um, how, how much there are pastors who are in deep need of support. And, and how much uh, God continues to put on my heart the need to care for these pastors and, and to pray for them and to bless them. And we were talking about some ideas about how to go after that more. But I was a little bit, uh, some of them require some risk, and I was a little concerned about it. But I shared this idea, some of what we'll talk about Wednesday night if, we come to, if, you, if you're part of that vision discussion. And I was explaining to Jen what I thought some of the ideas were about where maybe Parker, where we should go with Parker Ford and how we should move forward with Netzer. And I said, this is what I said to Jen. I said, um, I don't know if this is just me and if we should go after this or if this is from the Lord. And um, it was 10-11 on uh, Wednesday night. And um, I, that's what I said. I said, Jen, so I told her the whole thing. I said, I don't know if this is from the Lord, um, but, uh, but I, it seems like the right way to go for me. And my phone buzzed. And I got this text message from a person in our church who said, who knew nothing about what was going on, didn't know, said, the Lord is saying to you, quote, you must do this. You must do it. You must do this. It's strong. I can't sleep. I got to speak. I was like, oh, okay, that was weird. Like here I am praying, saying, I don't know if this is from the Lord or not. And I got a text message that says, you got to do this. The Lord's saying, you got to do this. And this person has no clue at all about anything we're talking about. They don't even know anything, <laughs> anything. And so I said, thank you, received right on cue, God is good. To which the person responded, our mighty God knows. And I said, amen. About an hour later, we were continuing to talk about another situation. And, um, and I shared with Jen another idea that I was kind of insecure about. This person texted back again and said, God won't let go. What's going on? He just put Isaiah 61 on my heart. And he is... Uh, he, uh, you need to read it and you need to talk to him. I can't get released from this moment of prayer unless you're going to take over and start talking to the Lord. <laughs> and so I did. I started praying. And Isaiah 61, in, in my office, there's a, there's a, um, uh, a plaque, kind of a picture hanging behind uh, my desk that has Isaiah 61 inscribed on it, specifically regarding the things that we were talking about. And it was one of those moments where God was confirming, again, what it is that he's doing. Things developed from there, and I actually ended up on the phone with this person, and God revealed some stuff to us that we really, really needed to hear. I, I should say more than revealing, he confirmed things that we really needed confirmed. And God was just moving profoundly. And it was very clearly the Lord. As a matter of fact, Jen uh, Jen had, you should discuss this at some point with Jen if you get a chance and just ask her what her night was like Wednesday night. <laughs> it was an amazing moment. Um, God says in Romans chapter 8 that his spirit communicates with our spirit that we are sons of the living God. Somewhere deep inside of us, there is this thing that's called the human spirit. Do you know there's a difference between you? your spirit and your body and your soul. That's why in 1 Thessalonians it says, may God sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be sanctified. And that's why in Hebrews 4, chapter 12, you've heard me quote that one a lot. It says, 
that the word of God is alive and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword and it has the ability to divide between the joint and the marrow, the soul and the spirit. What does that mean? What it means is there's a part deep down inside of me, my spirit, that God wants to communicate to. It says that those who are worshipers worship God in spirit and in truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, which means I can have a lot of doctrine and a lot of understanding of God, but I also have to have a spirit that is alive and awake and can hear and receive from God. And sometimes it's very difficult to receive from God because either we're afraid of that whole thing about hearing or perhaps we're not in a position where we actually want to hear God's directing of our life. We would love it. Sometimes I would say to someone, would you like to hear God speak? And they're like, well, yeah, you know, if he wants to, like, that'd be great. Like, you know, what's his number? You know, (laughs) like, of course I want to hear God speak. But the general, like, I'd like to hear God's voice is very different than I want my God to tell me what he wants with my life. That's very different than saying I'd like to sit on the outside and be an observer of the voice of God happening. Or when I have a question, I'd like to text God and have him respond as my special counsel. It's a very different thing than saying I want to submit to the living God and whatever it takes for you to lead me, whether that is simply that I will scour this Bible and look for the truth and meditate on the words of God in order to wrap my life in submission to you, Father. I will go so hard after you in this thing and shape my life and build it on this foundation because I want to hear you. And if this word, if there's a moment where I can't figure out enough as I'm reading this word and you need to get more specific with me and you need to direct me in some other way, I will be listening to that as well. That's one way of saying I'm listening to the voice of God. The other is I'd really like to see something supernatural happen. And so, yeah, if the voice of God would happen, that'd be cool. You know, and there's a difference between seeking the supernatural and seeking God. And if we seek God and we're very open to hearing God, then we should have confidence that God wants to talk to us. He says to the church in Laodicea, he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will hear my voice and open the door, then I will come in with him and will eat with him. God wants to have fellowship with his people. Relationships have communication involved with them. You sit down and you eat food. And God says, if you want me to be in your life as your father, guiding you, directing you, then you have to seek my voice. Seek it all day. Seek it every day. Seek nothing else. Seek me with all your heart. You will seek me and you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. To every church in Revelation after he speaks, this is what he says at the end. He says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. All of our hearing with God starts with one thing. Having a heart that wants to hear. I remember moments in school where I was in a, listen, there was a teacher teaching about something that I didn't care about. You know how hard it is as a kid to listen to your teacher when you don't care about the topic. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. I used to get in trouble all the time for that. Because I'd end up messing around with my friends and everything. But it's because I was focused on the wrong thing. I didn't actually care about the topic. What Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, the whole reason 
why you can't see these miracles as from God is because you're not interested in what God wants. You're only interested in what you want. And in order for you to hear God, your heart has to be tuned to God. And you have to desire what it is that God wants. That spirit that can hear from God, that's where he says, I will take out from you a heart of stone and I will replace it with a heart of flesh. God can regenerate our hearts. He can renew us from the inside out. He can make our spirit come awake so that it can have communication with the Holy Spirit and that we can receive day in and day out the personal leading of God in our life that God, Father Almighty, creator of the universe can speak to you in a way that is custom fit to you. You are his sheep. And the way that a kid can learn to hear his mama's voice and move with it, because that's where the milk comes from. In the same way, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And if I hunger to know God, then he will provide me with my daily bread today, every time that I need it. And if I have a hard time hungering for God, then I need to get on my face before the Lord and say, God, renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, but regenerate in me the joy of my salvation. Renew a right spirit. Tune my heart. There's this amazing moment, one with us. There's this amazing moment in Acts where Stephen's being stoned. He's being, you know, he's, well, he's about to be. And he goes on that big talk, you know, where, where he s- describes all about the people of God. And then he gets to, at, this is in Acts chapter 7, and it's in verse 51. And this is his final statement to these religious leaders, probably some of the same religious leaders who Jesus was dealing with this in, in this passage. And he says, you stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and in ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. What does it mean to have uncircumcised ears? It means that there's something over my ears that keeps me from being able to hear. And those ears need to be trimmed and they need to be at a place where they can hear clearly. My pride, my selfishness, my desires, my will need to be snipped and I need to be submitted to the Lord. And I need to say all I want in the most intimate places of my life is to hear and be led by you and I will follow. And if our hearts go there, we will begin to develop ears that will hear the voice of God. Amen? Amen. You've been a great uh, listening group today, listening to the voice of God. Thank you. We went over time. And uh, so I'm going to dismiss us at this point in a word of prayer. You say, to him who has an ear, let him hear. God, some of us want ears to hear. There's a man who said to you once, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. In other words, I want to submit, I want to trust you, I want to hear that, God, but I'm having a hard time hearing that because it's very easy to see what my eyes see instead of hear what my spirit is to receive. And so, God, for those of us who still um, are really in a place of just kind of brokenness of spirit and haven't been able to receive from you, God, we just ask that anyone who's in that situation today who says, I didn't know I could have a relationship with God like that, or I didn't know I could hear from God like that. God, I just ask that for anyone who wants to do that, by the way, right now, just pray that. God, open up my heart. Turn my desires toward you. I want to seek you above all else. 
And if you will seek him, you will find him. And God will help you to seek him. He will give you a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. God, for the rest of us, we get distracted at times as well. And we're growing to learn to hear your voice. God, we ask, please, in the name of Jesus, that you would grow the sensitivity of our ears. We want to hear you and walk with you. Lead us, shepherd. Lead us, king. Lead us, God. We love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless. Go in peace.